Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change, the podcast that will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. It's good to be here with Effective Heart Change. Dale, welcome. Thank you, sir. It's uh, always a pleasure. Coming out of the, the group meeting, uh, I'm always buoyed. Even when, when there are heavy things there, uh, it's, it's a blessing to, to be a part of that group. It really is. And what happens, there's just a quality uh, communion. We talked about that word last time. So much of what happens spiritually can't happen, certainly, alone. The very essence of spirituality is connection. It's connection to God. It's connection to people. So you have uh, just kind of a fun interaction where people are willing to be real. They're willing to be open. Honest. Honest. And you, get, you just get some great exchanges in a time like that. And it buoys. Your spirits are lifted. Uh, in in the organ not organization but in the in the neighborhood that that has been created uh, and I'm it's a pleasure for me to to set in and be a part of that. Well, that jumps us into the topic, and I really want to get much more into a practical level into spirit today and understanding spirit and how it works, because I believe that the number one way we receive from God is God's Spirit to our spirit, Romans 8, 16. And so if we don't understand that spirit-to-spirit connection, and if we don't understand spiritual, we literally, not intentionally, but we're blocking the, the most significant way that we can receive and if Christianity really is all about receiving, if overcoming addiction, if overcoming struggle areas really is all about receiving, and we're blocking or ignoring or not aware of the most significant way that God pours himself out on us, we have a problem. And the spiritual side is, is uh, missing in a large sense. In, uh, in almost all of American society. Uh, we tend to be individualists that it's all about what I can do to make it happen and my success, and, and we just block the flow. And the reality of it is, without God, uh, what, whatever we do, whatever we accomplish is less than what he desires for us and, and created us to be. Now, the first problem with receiving spiritually is that spiritual tends to be subconscious. It's not 100% subconscious. If it was, how could we even be aware of it at all? So it's, it's mostly subconscious, so it's very easy to miss, and we have to specifically pay attention to it. Then on top of that, we have a culture that's very much mind-centered and very much idea-centered in its world which is conscious man stuff, and you'll hear things like, the battle is in the mind, and you'll, you'll have that, I mean, that's being taught in Christian circles as well as in non-Christian circles. So everyone focuses on the conscious mind battle, which is an important battle. I'm not trying to take away from that. But what about this subconscious spiritual realm battle that's also going on? So the question is, what is the battle? And, and where is it? And why is it? 
Uh, we can start with the who, what, and why, and and continue from there. We we have a, a very real sense of of body, and and there's mentality to it too. But we we shut the the spiritual out or don't even know about it. In most cases, I think that that's that's the problem. We we have inside of us what's been put put there with our, within our environment, and and a lot of almost I don't know what percentage wise a large percentage, uh, the spiritual is not even a, a consideration. You hear a lot of discussion in church circles about works, and it's not works; it's actually grace. And yet, what happens when it's time? Uh, that's kind of where we go because that's what we're trained in. We're trained in producing, getting out there, getting it done. We're trained in knowledge, but we're not trained in this subconscious spiritual. Now, how that manifests a lot of times, you'll have somebody who says, well, walking with God, it's a personal relationship. I've heard that for years and years, and I'm not one of these people that this is instinctive to. I'm more of the mind guy. That's part of why we do programs like this, because I analyze, I think, I, I do all of that. So I'm more of a conscious realm guy. So the first time I heard that phrase about having a personal walk with God, I can remember I reacted. I kind of pulled back and I said, uh, okay, what does that mean? What would that look like? And then I can remember sitting in a class where they were talking about hearing the voice of God. <laughs> And the same thing. I'm just kind of like, okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? And you have these terms that are being thrown about by people who I'm going to suggest are more in tune with that spiritual piece than I am. And I just kind of looked at that and said, uh, don't have a clue what you're talking about, and I sure don't know how to get there. And I might not care about even going any further. It it's like if you, if you came at me and started speaking in Swahili, <laughs> uh, you'd be wasting your time. And, and a lot of the way that as someone that is steeped in and raised in uh, spiritual uh, awareness, it goes by the wayside when you start speaking that vocabulary at someone else, they're going to look at you like you got six heads. And, and you might as well, because all those voices are just going out and bouncing off, and, and never mind. I'm going back to a premise here. If receiving is more than any other thing spiritual, and we're responding to spiritual that way, how far are we going to get down the receiving path? We're probably already all the way that we're going to go if, if, if that barrier exists. And that's what I found for me, and instead of responding negatively to that, the idea of the personal relationship, the idea of God's voice, at some point I said, okay, if it's out there, I want it. I started reading some of the classical authors, and one of them is Madame Guyon, literally from the 1600s, talks about practicing the presence of Christ and Brother Lawrence, and, and then moving forward from there. So you're talking about long-term traditions that impacted incredible movements of people for hundreds of years, those things, I think, were very helpful to me to help give me some insight and start moving me some of the directions that I'm working with today. But you would have to say that your approach is a little 
different than most. Most people wouldn't wouldn't have come to that decision of oh, I'll check it out. Uh, they're they're just going to say uh, I don't care about it. A hundred years ago, two hundred years ago. Most people, I think, are turned off. I mean, if 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 you're like me. And frankly, you. I mean, I think we both, I, you're, you may be more spiritual than me, but you're also highly intellectual. A lot of times people who are from that point of view, they just kind of push away the spiritual. And, mm -hmm. and I'm going to say, don't do it. You, we need to press in. I think one of the things that is really vital here is if you're going to speak to someone about spirituality, you have to find out where they're at, more or less. And, and by asking questions that draw them out and let them speak. And then when you find a common ground, then you can actually make a decent approach. But, but the way we come off when we start preaching, and that's what we're, we come off as, we're preaching to this person. And there's, there's a, okay, stop right there, even without the, without the, the subject. Uh, but there has to be a rapport established where you can make an exchange. I have to show you I'm really interested in you, and I'm, not, I'm just not trying to convert you. We need to get to a break. I really want to get to some of the hows as we continue, and just something really practical, and we'll consider that. But let's stop and ask a few questions, and then we'll continue. So personal relationship or voice of God, I mean, those are things that really sparked my interest, but I really didn't know what to do with them until this phrase in Scripture really lit up in me, and that's God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if you back up a verse, you start hearing about, well, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Um, actually, I'm, I'm combining with 2 Timothy here. But we're not designed to house fear. We're designed to house the presence of God. And that got me on a much more practical track, that and the Brother Lawrence's and the, the Madame Guyon's, where you're talking about practicing the presence of Christ. We have a temple that is capable of housing spiritual presence and there are descriptors to that temple when it's walking in God, and there are descriptors to that temple when it's not in God. So the temple could be either or. It could be uh, filled with God or be filled with other things. And in fact, it does tend to be either or. I, I remember in Going Deeper, I talked about the light switch. Uh, it it's either tends to be on or off. We, we don't have a lot of dimmer switch sort of a thing. So I'm either in forgiveness or I'm in bitterness. So we can look at that as a temple. And, and uh, uh, in, the, in Scripture, uh, there were a lot of temples that were anything but godly. And, and we have that same option. Uh, we talked a little bit about free will in the group today. And, and that is, uh, is a privilege that God gives you, but it's also... Uh, an opportunity to choose badly. And, and uh, so we need to know what we're putting in the temple. 
What's interesting, if you talked about some of the temples weren't used well, well, in some of the Greek circles, they were literally drinking and prostitution centers. And, right. And the idea was to get to a point of ecstasy, you know, I mean... It, pleasure. Pleasure, you know, yeah. and, and just high, high level feelings and emotions, which is interesting because that's not what I'm talking about here. The spiritual realm isn't necessarily equated with the emotional realm. The two of those are very close together, and a lot of times when I talk to people who talk about having a personal relationship with Christ, they really are talking more on what I would call an emotional roller coaster. But spiritual and emotional aren't the same thing. They're very closely connected. The language that I use from Scripture, I believe, talks about the spiritual man overflows into the natural man or the soulish man into the emotions. So if the two are interacting with each other, they tend to be in the same place, but they're not exactly the same thing. The fact is we don't do personal relationships well. I think that's a stumbling block in, in, in conversing with someone about building the spiritual side because uh, our personal relationships on a, on a strictly day-to-day -day level uh, they're not really a strong point in most everybody's life. So if you're getting to know a person, I take it to Romans 8.1, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If I'm really getting to know God and the Spirit of God, and something comes at me that's very condemning or belittling, I can pretty much look at that thing and say, okay, that is not of Christ. That's that's not coming from God, and I can begin to interpret. I can begin to set up a filter. Same sort of thing. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of adoption. This takes us back into the stages that we, we talked about in the last series, where if I've got a child and that child in that safe zone, they need peace in that they need rest, but in the belonging layer, which is a huge layer here. I'm either struggling with rejection, abandonment, or I'm beginning to get this sense of, hey, you belong, you're meaningful to me. I'm getting love, I'm getting acceptance. There's a kind of love and acceptance that we can discern spiritually. How else can you discern it? Not intellectually, but spiritually. You can discern that that love and acceptance, oh, this is God. This is the Holy Spirit reaching out to me. There's a kind of love that we would call lust that, oh, this is ecstasy. I've gone to the temple. I'm into prostitution. I'm into drinking. I've, I've really turned myself over to this ecstasy thing, and I'm seeking after that, and it feels really good. Yeah, but you wake up the next day. And so there's a difference between that ecstatic approach to love and the biblical love, and it is what? It's spiritually discerned. These are the beginnings of a personal relationship with God. So the, coming to the knowledge that I have uh, a spirit that speaks and understands to a point, uh, it, it, it is enhanced by relationship. The more I spend time in conversation, in uh, prayer, in, in Scripture, the more I'll recognize that, that spirit. But, but God has preordained, you might say, 
that connection. Uh, you have a connection. Now, what are you going to do with it? Paul says in one of his sermons, the word is near you, even in your mouth, where literally God is everywhere present. So, I mean, he's like right there, even in your vocal cords. I mean, he's everywhere present. There's no place that he isn't. So he's literally able to be there, back to Romans 8, 1, not offering condemnation, but offering encouragement, offering strength, offering life. And so when he's there, and you begin to discern spiritually, oh, this is a life point. Then I go to another verse that I use a lot, which is Matthew 5, 3, which, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the spirit realm, like attracts like. So when I'm in a humility zone, I'm literally attracting the presence of God, and I'm beginning to feel love and acceptance. I haven't necessarily committed my life to Christ yet. This isn't a thing where I've made him Lord yet. In fact, Hebrews chapter 6 talks about there's a tasting and a testing process that people start out where God pours him out and he says, hey, here, check this out and check this out. And what happens? If we're a typical Western culture type of a person that's mind-centered, we're not even, not even aware of any of this because our entire world is about ideas and productivity. And so we're not noticing things like love and acceptance that are being offered to us at a spiritual level, we're just kind of ignoring that, therefore, no personal relationship with God. And again, I'd speak a word of, of encouragement to people who are believers, who, who recognize the need that we have for this relation, this personal relationship, to not bulldoze somebody into uh, just beset them with a barrage of you need to, you got to, this is what you, this is personal relations, da, 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 da. but to take and be patient, to, to, to use the opportunities that you have to speak encouragement that they find that spirit with the help of God, and, and then you can build. There are people for whom this spiritual relationship is pretty instinctive, and they have a sense of God moving on them, or guiding them, or directing them. And when it's instinctive, it's instinctive. And so they look at the rest of us, and it's kind of like, what's wrong with you? What do you mean you can't hear the voice of God? Or what do you mean, etc.? I was one of those on the other side of the ledger that had to walk this thing through step by step. I was told this a lot of times about teachers, the teacher, math especially. If someone's instinctive at math, they're typically a terrible teacher of math. Because it's like, it's just there. It's like, well, what do you mean you don't get it? You know, I mean, they, they throw it out and you're supposed to get it the same way they got it. I really think that's part of why I'm able to teach some of these things is it wasn't instinctive to me. I had to grow through it step by step. I, I don't mean to beat that thing to death, but uh, I see that. My way of seeing that is that we're the biggest hindrance a lot of times to someone else actually pursuing an interest. They may, they may have the, the first stirring, and, and we can put that to an end by jumping in and jumping all over them, and that's, that's not that productive, or if it's productive at all. Well, let's take a break, and... Uh analyze this stuff a little bit, and then we will continue. 
Last time I really laid out the case for God is right there, he's near you, and there's times when there's a peace, there's a joy, there's things that begin to come in, but we don't notice it from God. Well, start first, start very simple. We don't notice it. Mm -hmm. And if we notice it, we don't think about it as being from God in a personal way, and so it just completely escapes us. And so we have a good moment, and then next thing you know, we're plunged back into normal life and have bad moments. We had a moment like that in, in the group today. Uh, a person was sharing how uh, they felt overwhelmed in the, in the morning and, and uh, were ready to use again and go back to uh, the, the panacea that seemed to fill, fix everything for a long time, wanting to come out of that. And, and over and over and over and over in a day, uh, the, the message had come that uh, you don't have to be there. And, and it happened enough times that it, uh, she walked away from what she intended to do. And, and even today, the message has come through again. Uh, that recognition that, that some forces out there that knows what you're going through and can speak a word. And, and then in the end, she says, I get it, okay? I, and, I, and, and what I encouraged her to, to, to receive as the other part of that conversation is God saying, I got it. Well, divine coincidences, that's what was going on. You had totally unrelated people who are literally speaking the exact same mm -hmm. phrase to her multiple times during the course of the day. You could call that a coincidence, and you could look at that and say, oh, it happens, or at some point you begin to think, wait a minute, there's an orchestration going on here. And that's where this personal relationship goes to at some point, you have to believe that there is a God who is doing some orchestrating so that life isn't this mixed up thing. And you also have to understand that there's this thing called spiritual warfare. So there's a spiritual enemy who's trying to take control of you. At the same time, there's a God who's offering himself to you. So you're going to have this whole mixture of messages Again, back to Romans 8, 16, you're going to have the fear, but you're also going to have the adoption and the love and the acceptance and the you are my child. And for us to begin to develop that walk with God, relationship with God, we've got to be able to discern the difference. And it does end up at a conscious realm, because if it doesn't end up at a conscious realm where we're looking at this thing and working with it, how in the world are you going to develop this thing and make it better? And you're not going to develop it by yourself. No. Uh, you're going to be a victim of those conflicting conversations that are going on, those words that are coming to you, those ideas, those, those events. Happy accidents is my interpretation of when we finally get that aha moment and say, oh, I'm hearing this. <laughs> now, uh, do I make something of it and keep it, or do I say, no, not going there? Uh, I think that's. That's a choice we do hundreds of times. And now, what I say over and over again, the solution to anything, everything, ultimately is connecting with God, connecting with godly people, because I believe receiving is the answer. 
So if I'm genuinely connecting with God and I'm starting to sort out some of the kinds of things that we're talking about, where you've got a personal relationship, you're hearing the voice of God. What does that mean? That means when I need peace, I'm getting peace. When I need joy, I'm getting joy. I'm able to go to God in a way that there's a download. There is a receiving. I can respond to life at a different level with a different capacity. I mean, this is important stuff. It's not a finite, closed world where I wake up, and if I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, it's just going to be a bad day. No, there is a source that I can draw from, and obviously that starts with God, but there's also this source called godly people, especially when we're immature. Sometimes we need God with skin on it. We need somebody who literally out loud is speaking a word to us that is from God, and not just speaking a word, but speaking with a spiritual quality that is love, a spiritual quality that is acceptance, where I begin to hear the tone of God. I begin to hear the Spirit of God through mentors who have walked with God, who are sharing what they've received with me. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. And that's a great promise, and it's a promise that you can live with uh, day to day and uh, for a lifetime and eternity. The reverse of this is also true. We receive from not God with skin on it in a way where a lot of times people have grown up in abusive environments. They've grown up where belittling is the normal. They've grown up where competition and, and dog-eat-dog or whatever you want to say is there. So their normal is over here in this ugly zone, and they have this expectation, and that's what they drink in continually, and that's what they give out continually. So that's their world. That's their world. And then we talked about that in John 3, 19 through 21 last time. Those people, because it's their normal, will almost be scared to death when somebody comes along and actually loves them, they won't believe it. They'll be suspicious of it. They'll push it away. And a lot of times that's how we respond. God is right there wanting to give us something, or a person of God on, who's working with him, who's being a friend of God, comes into your world, and it's like, I can't trust that guy. I can't receive from that person. So many times we literally push away the very thing that could be helping us. We're our own obstacle in the, in the uh, progress of becoming spiritual. And so the key to so much of this is spiritual discernment, which notice the first word spiritual, which is generally subconscious. So I begin to notice things like love, acceptance, peace, joy, uh, how about the, the key one from Romans 8, 16, where the Abba Father, where it's like, wow, I belong. I feel a sense of belonging. I begin to notice those things, and then after a while, I don't just notice them. I pursue them. I allow them to pursue me because God does that. He will reach in through different avenues. But if my attention and focus is continually on the negatives, which is what happens a lot of times, it's on woundedness, it's on I'm, I'm a victim, and the whole world's out for me and trying to get me. If I'm caught there, then I'm back to three, John 3, 19 through 21, and anything that could help me as an enemy, 
No, somewhere in here, I've got to start seeing what's available to me and going for it and drinking it in. I'm responsible for quite a bit of whether or not I am able to receive or not receive. And much like a liquid that you can consume, uh, the more you consume of this spirit, it becomes an essence, uh, and, and the inflow is an outflow. And, and it's, it's a presence that can be uh, palpable to others. Uh, it's attractive, uh, and they, they want to, to share in it. Uh, it's a beautiful thing that way. And then I've got the one-liner, what flows through you sticks to you. When I am trafficking, negative word, but in these positive presences, and I'm drinking in peace, I'm drinking in joy, at some point when I'm drinking it in and I'm giving it out, as you talked about, it's flowing through me. It's sticking to me. It's transforming me. I'm taking on a new character. I'm taking on a new nature, new normal, and now I begin to live there. It becomes personal to me. It becomes normal to me. That's when lives truly begin to be powerful, when that invisible realm really gets entrenched down in a person's character and nature, and the instinctive responses start being godly. Good stuff. Enjoying the discussion of this. We'll talk about it a little bit, and then we will be back. Now, we've been talking about receiving, and this segment, I really want to talk about what I think is possibly the greatest blockage to receiving, and that's the chatterbox. That's the voices inside of you. How many times do we speak negatively to ourselves? I mean, is there anybody that talks more ugly to us than we talk to ourselves? I doubt it. I would hope not. <laughs> we we like to th we like to think that uh, we give a good impression more than not, but uh, I can I can be absolutely cruel to myself, and and I'm not encouraged to do that in Scripture. No, you're not. And in fact, when you're doing that, you are setting a tone spiritually for what's going on inside of you and in the spiritual realm. Like attracts like. So if I'm there hating on myself and berating myself, you're literally sending out a, an invitation. It's, it's like a magnet that's just forcefully drawing things unto itself. You're sending out a magnet for what's going to come your direction. And then at some point, you'll get mad at life, mad at God, because my life stinks. Well, what's going on spiritually inside of you is powerful in terms of creating outcomes in your life. And talking about speaking things, uh, we speak uh, our present and our future into existence by what we pay attention to. Uh, the Chatterbox books talk, talks about the, the Chatterbox is, is Satan, is, is the devil, the demonic, demonic presence uh, that is perpetually hitting you with things. But as you point out, self plays right along with it. And so if I'm conversing with the devil, uh, I'm not growing spiritually in a positive way. I'm, 
I'm actually deteriorating. And, and when, I, when I set that aside and pay attention to the conversation about what I say about God and, and what he says about himself, that's probably uh, the most important thing. It's, it's I love you, I'm here, uh, I, you're, you're my creation. It's just it's black and white when you look at it that way, and, and too often we don't pay attention. Let me jump on that, too, because I think what happens with the demonic realm is very much like the God realm. The vast majority of the people, when you said that, the devil is saying to you, the vast majority of the people don't hear a voice. They don't hear a voice on the God side. They don't hear a voice particularly on the devil's side. But here's what happens. They go into self-condemnation. The devil's right there as a spiritual thing just to come alongside that and energize that. Devil doesn't have to speak anything. We do most of that to ourselves. We're energized in a particular, I call it a spiritual flow. We're energized in a particular direction. We provide the creativity, the imagination, and all of the energy to just rip ourselves and tear ourselves up. And the same thing tends to happen, I believe, on the God side. When I get to a place of humility, a lot of times people don't have a clear sense of God speaking to them. But my language, I write about in Journey of Discovery, when you're in Christ, when you're in that place of humility, when you're in that place of connectedness, your thoughts tend to become much more reliable. So for those people out there who are like, well, I don't hear voices. What are you talking about hearing voices? Most of the time, the key voice that we hear at the intellectual level, it's our own voice. It's in our own voice, but it's either being fed by the presence of God, and I'm in that peace place, I'm in that joy place, I'm in that Abba Father place where I feel adopted and belonging, or I'm over in the life stinks, it's never going to get better, people around me are, are losers, you know, et cetera, and I'm in this negativity zone. That's not the voice of God. It's imperative that uh, if we're going to have a good result that we get into what God says about us and, and uh, how in creation. Uh, I, I continually, uh, as he went through the pro process day to day, uh, and that is good, and that is good, and that is good. When it comes to the creation of man and woman, that was, that's very good. And so you're highly prized, you're treasured, and, and we need to find that process. What Satan is going to say is what he said in the garden. Is that what he said? Just ask questions. He didn't get to play, oh, don't pay attention to God. That's, that's, too, that's not subtle. <laughs> He's very subtle in that he questions your perception, and we tend to go there too easily. He gets Eve to thinking that, well, there's more out there. If you would just do it this way, there would be more. You could do more. You could be better. You could become like God. And just that subtle questioning, listen to the spiritual flow of that. Listen to the spiritual connotations of that. Don't listen to the words. See, that's what we're trained to do. If you're listening to the words, it's like it's kind of subtle and it's kind of complex. But when you listen to the spirit of the words, it's like, ooh, you know, that, that's not there. And again, most people, at least that I survey, don't hear voices. So when we're talking about hearing the voice of God, when we're 
talking about a personal relationship with God, it happens through this spiritual zone where I begin to recognize, oh, that's condemnation, not of God. Uh, This is correction that's challenging me to do better and to get better. Ah, this one is from God. I learn to discern the difference between what is God and isn't God, and the vast majority of the time, for most people, that actually comes in our own voice, but it comes at the touch, at the moving of God's Spirit on our spirit that then ends up in the conscious realm in a way that we can see, hear, and understand. So basically what you're saying is we do hear voices, we just can't recognize the voice. Well, for most people, I think the voice sounds like their own voice, so they're trying to figure out what it means. That's what I'm saying is that the voices are there. Uh, God isn't isn't, uh, staying away from you, Satan isn't staying away from you, and you're, you're, you're what you have. So the voices are there. It's learning to recognize the voice. And frankly, go back to Romans 1, when we stop recognizing God as God and stop appreciating him and stop being thankful, stop doing, you know, re- responding to him in the way that we're supposed to be responding, that's when it all starts downhill. So we're the same thing here. I've got this voice when I learn to discern and I start to see what's God, and I appreciate what's God as God, and I honor God, that's when this thing really starts working. And it's easy to miss that. But when you get a hold of it, and you drink it in, and you receive it, that's where heart change comes from, and that's where our ability to overcome comes from. Again, it's been fun. Always is. It's fun to walk it out, explore these things. We will see you next time on Effective Heart Change. Editing and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.